You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are back after the long weekend on Outkick 360 across the Outkick network and live from our downtown studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton. Is here, still recovering a little We're bit here. with the voice. Let's so do this. That's why you're hearing my voice first. For many of you, you can't tell the difference anyways <laughs> between both voices, but I'm Chad Withrow. This is Jonathan Hutton. We have so much to get into today. It's one of those days, Hutton, where you come in, things that we saw Wednesday night feel like two weeks ago now. Things we saw on Thanksgiving sure. Day feel like a week and a half ago. So much <laughs> has happened over the weekend. We're going to do our best to parcel it all out and discuss every single facet of what all we've seen over what was a very eventful Thanksgiving weekend. Barrett Salee from CBS Sports is going to join us in about 15 minutes. David Hookstead from Outkick.com will also join us coming up later in the show. We'll talk about his alma mater, Wisconsin, hiring Luke Fickle and what was a surprising move. Many thought Jim Leonard was going to be promoted as head coach. That's not the case. They go big. They hire the Cincinnati head coach. Nebraska hires Matt Rule. We'll talk about everything going on in the Big Ten with David Hookstead coming up a little bit later. Hutton, so many places that we could start today. That's right. So many avenues we could go down. I did. Yeah, same. Did you? Yeah, man. I rested my voice all weekend, but I watched a ton of football, basketball, and uh, yeah, that was it. Sports. Yeah, it was a good weekend for that. A good weekend for sports. Uh, Had some good family time. Got to see a lot of the family uh, here locally. Uh, that's a, around Middle Tennessee. So a nice, relaxing weekend where I've made a point to sit on my couch and watch a lot. So You've got a, uh, a big event tonight, too. I do, yes. Thank you for asking. So if you see the pen that I'm wearing right now, it's kind of blocked by the mic stand, but there it is. Look at that. Brooke doing a good job getting that camera on and Tyler. Uh, Real Men Wear Pink is the campaign that I'm working with to raise funds for breast cancer research. And this was going on throughout the month of October but I've got my final event raising money for Real Men Wear Pink coming up tonight, doing a, a tasting at a local distillery with Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. So looking forward to that event. Big thanks to everyone who pitched in, who purchased a ticket to this VIP bourbon tasting tonight. Going to have a good time and raise money for a good cause. Uh, and I've, I've, it's, been, it's been fun helping this great, uh, this great organization raise money over the past two months or so. So... It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for asking. Chad, you're very well connected with, with Nebraska and, and rumors. We, we've always connected the coaching search at Nebraska with Wisconsin, yeah. right? Were they after Fickle? And if not, was Wisconsin after Rule? So You see where I'm going here? I kept going back in my mind with this. You know, we, we have a lot of good football guests on this show that are, are well connected. I was talking to a couple people over the weekend that are connected to the inner workings of the power structure of college football that's led by Jimmy Sexton in the agent community. And I, I started picking up 
on certain things. You know, we had Cole Kublik on a week ago, and he yeah. had mentioned just in passing that I think Nebraska is about to be lockstep or locked in with a head coach who got his team to the college football playoff a year ago. And immediately the light bulb went off and said, oh, so Luke Fickle is finally looking to leave. Um, I do think, Hutton, that Luke Fickle had his option between Nebraska and Wisconsin. Yep. I think when Nebraska realized they were going to finish second for Luke Fickle, that brought Matt Rule back into the mix. There was that weird report See, I from Dennis Dodd, right, of CBS, yeah, who week. said, and we can ask Barrett Salee about this, but Dennis Dodd had the report that Matt Rule is walking away from Nebraska. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, now he's back in the mix. So what could have caused that? Did Nebraska think they had Luke Fickle, and that's why the talks shut off? Or did Nebraska only go back to Matt Rule and offer more for his assistance or whatever he wanted because something they, they finally realized, oh, Luke Fickle's going to Wisconsin instead? Because they're, they're both paying about the same, right? Yeah. Roughly. Yes. And you're not competing against Auburn. It's an eight-year contract also for Matt Rule. So yeah. these contracts are massive. Because they always are. The, the, yeah. it's, it, we're out of the, you know, if you hire someone that's not a superstar, then you can get a four-year, five-year contract in. If you hire Matt Rule, Luke Fickle, any one of these types of names, Lane Kiffin, who we'll talk about, it's going to take an eight-year contract to get them to move. And that's what Nebraska ponied up for Matt Rule. Rule has the, the tougher gig um, based on program perception. Fickle has more expectation, right? So there's, there's the yin and the yang there. Both got it right. I love both hires. I, I, it is hard to imagine a scenario where either fan base could be happier. I know. With what they ended up with. And I thought the same with you know, Jim Leonard. They were, doing, they were doing fine, and then the end of the season was not great. The loss to Minnesota. So it started to trend a, 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 into a different direction. But if you – I mean, from the beginning – if you would have told me that Luke Fickle was a realistic possibility at Wisconsin, I would have said, why are we talking to Jim Leonard? Hire Luke Fickle. That's a no-brainer. Luke Fickle turned down Michigan State a couple years ago. He's turned down other opportunities at other places. Rumor has it he sort of turned down LSU, or they were talking to him early on and he didn't they show a lot out. of interest. Um, he's clearly a Midwest guy. And I, I believe firmly that Wisconsin is a better job than Michigan State. So it makes sense you would take Wisconsin over Michigan State. Hutton, I do think that there is some debate that could be had between Wisconsin and Nebraska. I think they're very similar jobs. I would give a slight edge to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because of the, the success of the last 20 years right. relative to a lack of success by Nebraska in the last 15 or 20 years. But it's still very close. But starting with Luke Fickle to Wisconsin makes a ton of sense. And we're going to talk to Hookstead about this, but they got to be doing backflips over that in Madison. Well, and then you have a, a program builder with Matt Rule as well. Like you, you, you're out in front of it. You get the guy you want. You get the guy who's getting paid not to coach. You know, and, and he's, he's jumping right back into it because he wants to be back in the college game. He's great for Nebraska. He's, he's great for just dropping a guy in just like he did in, at Temple. Uh, just like he, he, we saw at Baylor. Um, and give him three years, the guy's going to win. He's going to reach a certain bar and a, and a plateau that's going to be acceptable for that program. Um, I don't know how you look at this and think, you know what, we were second fiddle to Luke Fickle. No, you get Matt Rule, who is so much better in the college game than what he was as an NFL coach. And 
if you're if you're Nebraska, keep this in mind too. This is a stat that I came across earlier today. Matt Rule beat an AP top ten opponent at Temple, and he has won an AP top ten game before the Nebraska program has in that time span. Yeah, this is when he was at Temple before going to Baylor, before taking the Carolina Panthers job. So Matt Rule has done great things at two very difficult jobs. This is now a, a much more difficult situation in Nebraska. But don't kid yourselves. This is a far better job than Baylor or uh, uh, Temple that he took over. So he is a reclamation project guy. It, it's, it's the perfect hire, I think, for Nebraska. Reports coming in also he's hiring Marcus Satterfield, who he's been close with. He's the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. If three weeks ago – Marcus Satterfield was announced the OC at Nebraska. Husker fans would be angry at that hire. But in the last two weeks, Marcus Satterfield scored 63 and nine out of 10 times scored a touchdown on 10 possessions against Tennessee yeah. and then knocked off that, another top 10 on the road at Clemson. Before that, he was on the hot seat at South Carolina. Gamecock fans wanting Shane Beamer to move in a different direction. Last two weeks changed that perception but regardless, he's been close with Rule for a long time. And now David Shaw is out at Stanford. He resigns. He steps down. Um, we're about to find out where Cincinnati is on the pecking order for head coaching jobs now as they move to the Big 12. Yeah. Cincinnati, Stanford, those are two interesting ones to follow. We're going to talk with Barrett Salee a lot about <laughs> Auburn uh, coming up. But I, I do want to get into the as the, the lane changes, as I was joking with, with Trey Wallace over the week. We had Trey Wallace on last week. I mean, he flat out said that he believed that, that Lane Kiffin was going to be the next coach at Auburn. He wasn't the only one to say that. John Sokoloff, or Sokoloff I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the pronunciation. Lane Kiffin wouldn't want this guy to be famous either, and he would love for me to mispronounce his name yeah. because he had a false report last week that Lane Kiffin had accepted the job at Auburn. And over the weekend, Lane Kiffin had some things to say about that report that turned out to not be true. I think when it was falsely reported by John, who's now famous, congratulations, that you can just write whatever you want, I would do it too, I think, because you're never held accountable and you get to become famous and maybe you'll be right. John did it, so then I had to have a team meeting to say his article was wrong, which would love to know these unnamed sources from John. But, so yes, I had to deal, had to have a team meeting because of that. They don't, when there's other stuff and chat rooms and all that stuff, but when a reporter writes it, it changes the game with that. So a couple of things here. One, all these coaches want people to name unnamed sources. They're unnamed sources for a reason. That's not going to happen. But what Lane Kiffin, is, he's miffed by, is he knows the sources. Right. It's clear that he knows who was tipping him off in all of this, and he knows that it was by nefarious means because either Auburn or Ole Miss wanted to force his hand to make some sort of announcement and or decision before the Egg Bowl. And Lane Kiffin wasn't ready to do this. I firmly believe Lane Kiffin was going back and forth on whether or not to take the Auburn offer over the course of the week. I think this report helped him stay in Oxford. This report by a Starkville, Mississippi TV guy actually helped Lane Kiffin stay at Ole Miss, which is not going to help Mississippi State. This is not just a top 10 paying gig anymore. That was the report a couple or what, 10 days ago. He's getting upwards of $9 million on average. And, you know, by the end of all this, maybe it is the 10th best paying gig in college football. But just getting into the top 10 right now would not be good enough for where he was because he was the 11th highest paid coach and he was getting paid, what, like 
7.3, 7.4, something like that, this past year for Ole Miss. They have ponied up. And the, the question I was asking, would they treat Kiffin the same way that Kentucky has treated Stoops? And the answer is yes, and then some. So props to Ole Miss for, for, for paying Kiffin, but also, like, was Kiffin upset about the Miami reports last year the same way he is about this report? Because it, it, No, because it didn't work out in the same regard. Well, for with him. the Miami report, so I don't think anyone just flat out said he's leaving for the job. Yeah, but I mean, no one, it, no one reported it, that you know he has taken the job and he'll inform the team after. But a with game. Kiffin, you would agree it's not that big of a, a jump to say that Kiffin's interested in a big job. Yeah, here's right? the, here's the only thing that bothers me about it. I I do laugh when coaches uh, name your source. No, that's not going to happen. That's right. not what happens in reporting. But also, I journalism gets a bad name, and in a lot of cases, it's because journalism deserves the bad name they get. John Sokoloff or Sokoloff or whatever. When you come out and put on your notes pad on your phone, not an apology or an explanation, but just basically saying, I wasn't wrong, the story just changed. You just can't do that. You can't, if you report something that doesn't end up happening, you just have to take, take it and say, I was wrong. Thought that this was going to happen last week. Uh, I'm not going to roll over on my sources. I reported it and I was wrong because he's staying <clears> at <throat> Ole Miss and leave it at that. I hated the whole explanation of, as stories change, reports can change, and my report was correct at the time, but then just shut up. Well, but Just th- say you were wrong and move on. Where, where it really got me was whenever he said in the initial report that the same sources said that Auburn has not offered the job yet, right? But Kiffin had accepted it, which you can't, you, you can't do th- both. That, that report makes no sense. That's right. contradictory. Right. Well, the, to me, that, you're going back to the journalism aspect. Like, take Kiffin out of it. You, you, you can shred this any way you want to based on just the way that's written. It's written so that he can't be wrong. And that's why we were prefacing everything by saying, like, who knows? Because it's Kiffin, number one. And number two, Auburn hasn't offered, quote unquote, the job yet. So how can you accept it? Yes. And here's what this says to me. Kiffin is an old Miss lifer unless he gets a chance at the NFL. If you're turning down Auburn, I can't think of many jobs that you're leaving for at this point if you're Lane Kiffin. I mean, what's going to come open? Is Alabama going to offer Lane Kiffin no. when, when Nick Saban retires? No. no. There's just very few. And I'm not saying Auburn is one of the – they're a top 20 job nationally, I would say pretty firmly in that mix. So if you're at Ole Miss now and you just signed an eight-year contract, I really do believe that Lane Kiffin is there as long as they'll have him at this point. I agree. That's not a good, good game for him. The other night, that's a terrible close the season. They were 7-1 and one at one point. They finished 8-4. and four. On the year. So not a great close to it. But we saw all season, Hutton, that that schedule was going to be very back You could see it coming. And it was going to be stacked But it wasn't Kentucky. End. Right. It wasn't the fall from grace from the 10-win season. It's a very respectable way that they finish out compared to what we saw from the Wildcats. I also think that it's just – we sometimes joke about the NFL salary cap and how you can manipulate it almost any way you want to make it work. It's hilarious to me that the state of Mississippi – has a rule that a state employee can't sign a contract more than four years. And this is why Lane Kiffin has signed a new contract with a new extension for four more years after every year, forcing Kiffin to joke that, is another contract going to make you feel better? I've signed four in my four years here. Do you want another one? And what this made them do, because the offer from Auburn was they said, oh, here's what we can do. We'll pay you through the Ole Miss Foundation. And it's a charitable wing of Ole Miss. And now we can offer you an eight-year contract because you're technically a private employee. 
I think the whole thing is funny. I also think that it's just ridiculous that we still consider a football coach at a state school like Old Miss the same as the comptroller for Jackson, Mississippi yeah. in terms of a state employee. They're not. It's not the same thing. When people come back and say, well, that's a state institution, we have to look at this. It is big business. It is not the same as the person running sanitation in Biloxi. I'm sorry. It's just not. They should not be classified as state employees. I don't care if it's a state state university. Everyone should set up a separate foundation that pays the coaches. So there's no look at impropriety of taking tax dollars and giving Lane Kiffin $9 million a year eventually. Just get rid of all of that. And I think this kind of made a mockery out of something that's very old school and dated at this point with the state of Mississippi and that stupid contract rule of only four years because, again, Lane Kiffin, not your usual state employee in the state of Mississippi. Um, Barrett Salee is not your normal reporter. We've had him on the show before. Does a great job. Hosts the show on Sirius XM. I've been a guest on the show before. Does a terrific job with Andy Staples on that show. We'll talk about Lane Kiffin. We'll talk about Hugh Freeze. Is that the next move for Auburn? If so, why has an announcement not been made yet? What's going on at Auburn? What's going on with these other jobs? We'll talk college football crazy season with Barrett Salee when we come back. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, coming to you live from our downtown Nashville studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer alongside Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow. And we got Barrett Saleon with us right now, CBS Sports host on Sirius XM as well. Great guest of the show. Does terrific work with CBS. And Barrett, I guess I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, first off, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for hopping on the show with us. It was certainly an eventful it's Thanksgiving. My pleasure. Hope you guys uh, did too. No, it, was, it was great. And uh, look, it was certainly a crazy Thanksgiving for Lane Kiffin uh, in Ooh, Ole Miss yes. and, and Auburn. Um, just your thoughts on the whole timeline. I feel like I'm talking about Bruce Pearl back in the day when I talk about timeline. But the timeline with Lane Kiffin, everything going on at Auburn, getting ready for that game, losing to Mississippi State, deciding to re-up at Ole Miss – and now where is Auburn left with everything seemingly in limbo with Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I think first with Lane, uh, I think he was plan A. I think there were a lot of people on board. Pretty much everybody that was needed to be on board with Lane was. And, you know, after the, that poor clock management against Mississippi State, I think some people that were maybe on the fence said, all right, is this the guy we want? Um, but they went through with it. They went through with the vetting process and, and he decided to stay and, you know, he, he got, is going to get a big raise out of it. So good for him. Plan B has always been Hugh freeze. Uh, I'd say some people at Auburn also referred to him as plan a, uh, but obviously he comes with some baggage, some fair, some unfair. Uh, and, and right now I think they're trying to gather enough support 
to to make it happen. And I think it will happen. I think it's not going to be like Shiano Sunday where fans revolt and a, and a coach gets left out on the curb. I, I think it it will be Hugh Freeze. And I think it'll probably happen today or tomorrow morning uh, at the latest because the transfer portal opens up next Monday and you need to have a coach to to get some transfers. So I think right now it's just about getting enough support and, and getting enough assurance that he's not going to make some of the same personal mistakes that he made at Ole Miss. And, and look, the the other stuff, the NCAA stuff, a lot of that stuff's legal now. I think the mo- the biggest thing that he did to get, NCAA, uh, to get Ole Miss on probation that is illegal still is a player slept on a coach's couch, which is just silly and backwards and tells you exactly what you need to know about the state of the NCAA right now. So I do think it'll happen. And, and after Hugh, if for whatever reason that doesn't work, I don't, I, I don't think they have a plan C at this point. Yeah. And I, going back to Hugh Freeze, two parts on this. One is Greg Sankey on board with him coming back to the SEC. I know that was a hurdle for a while with Hugh Freeze. And two, I'm with you. It's not going to be some Shiano Sunday thing. And personally, I, I don't care about Hugh Freeze getting another job. I think he's perfectly capable, and he's paid his penance, and he can go coach anywhere right now. But how do you square that if you're Auburn and you're one of the big boosters that tried to get Brian Harson fired because he might have had an affair, <laughs> and then you're going to turn around and completely endorse Hugh Freeze after the fact? Do you even try to square that if you're Auburn or just wash your hands up and say, hey, we're trying to win football games here? Well, it's obviously with Auburn, everything's complicated. They do nothing normal. Uh, but I think when it term, when it comes to Harson, the the affair thing is, I think it was sort of a disguise to go after Harson because they just didn't like him because they shut all those people out. Right? Um, there was never really a a true effort to flat out say, "Hey, this guy cheated on his wife with some students. We want him gone, or some staffers, and we want him gone." Um, you know, there were some rumblings of that, but it was more just the fact that he took ownership of the program and basically welded the door shut. Um, and, and Auburn boosters are not used to that. And I think with this, if, if it's Hugh, then it's he, they're on board with that. It wasn't that Harson was a bad coach or that he shut the program down. It's that he wasn't their guy and they did all of those things. Whoever they hire, if it's me, they it be it will be they will be on board with whoever the hire is, and so if that person takes control uh, and and does want to do things his way, like Nick Saban did in two thousand seven when he got hired, fine. They're going to have to be on board with that. And a guy like Hugh can play the political game. He's done it at Ole Miss. He's done it everywhere he's gone, and he's pretty good at that. He understands. Hey, you got to do some things to the money man, and you also have to take control and own the program at the same time. So I don't think that part's going to be that big of a deal at Auburn because they know they screwed up last time with a complete outsider who took control. If they go get an, uh, an SEC, a proven SEC coach, that proven SEC coach is at the very least going to know how to play the game. How big of a win was that for Eli Drinkwitz at, at Missouri? It, you know, a game that not everyone was paying attention to over Thanksgiving weekend. But I thought given the news of his contract extension, the rough season they've had, to beat Arkansas and put both those teams at 6-6 six and six at the end of the year and win that rivalry game and get to a bowl, I thought it was super important for him. It was, and I think it was the way they did it, too. Brady Cook on the ground, that's a big deal. You know, I think offensively, they've been sort of hit or miss. They haven't really figured out what their identity was all year, and it finally came together uh, in the final game of the season. 
And I, I think especially after what Tennessee did in the second half to Missouri, uh, they needed something to feel good about going into the offseason. And obviously that now includes a bowl game and whatever happens in the bowl game, whatever, it doesn't, you know, that's a separate issue. But, you know, there have been some rumblings, I guess, that maybe there were he was on the chopping block or at least some consideration for that. Obviously, he got the extension a couple of weeks ago, which put an end to that. But uh, I think the fact that their offense had been sort of sketchy and, and lacked an identity all year, it really, really made the boosters and some of the uh, administrators upset because he's supposed to be an offensive genius. And, and he's just he hadn't shown that. So the fact that they had success in a variety of different ways against Arkansas, albeit not in a very high scoring game, but one that they showed how diverse they can be offensively is a big deal for him. And defensively, Look, I, you guys are in Tennessee. You saw the second half of that Tennessee game. It didn't look like they played very good defense that day. Every other game, they've played pretty good defense. So I think on that, from from that perspective, uh, you know, he, he hasn't really ruffled as many feathers as some think. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, our guest here on Outkick 360. L- let's talk about Tennessee from this perspective. And I've been following your Twitter account over the weekend. And it's honestly the one thing that I'm not going to be able to square with the college football playoff committee come tomorrow night. And I know this is what's going to happen. The top four right now, it always <laughs> seems to break out this way where there's all this debate, and then there's really no debate when it comes down to it. Yeah. Pretty clear-cut top four right now. No one's going to have a problem with it, especially if TCU and USC go on to win their conference championship mm-hmm. games, albeit a very narrow favorite for both of them, a field goal and less in those games. But Alabama's going to be ranked over Tennessee, I think we all know that's going to happen. And when you look at every metric, Barrett, it does not line up with that being the case in this in this final ranking. What do you make of that, and what is the message the committee's sending if, in fact, that's the case? Well, they're, they're going to send that this is the order and they can't change it because neither Alabama nor Tennessee play this weekend. So uh, this is going to be set in stone, and I hope they recognize that, that whatever decision gets made between Alabama and Tennessee Tuesday night is one they're going to have to stick with. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. And I'm with you. Like I don't see how you can put Alabama uh, ahead of Tennessee. There's the heads up win. That's, that's, you don't want to overlook that because that's probably the most important part because they both have two losses. Tennessee's loss to South Carolina actually looks a lot better today than it did two days ago. And Alabama's loss to LSU looks worse today than it did two days ago. So I think Tennessee's resume got boosted a little bit because of those two factors last weekend. And look, Tennessee lost to the number one team in the country. It didn't look great in that, but it's the number one team in the country. South Carolina's what? 20th in the AP. We'll see what they are in the coach in the, in the playoff poll. Uh, but that's still a pretty good South Carolina team now. Obviously, we saw that when they beat Clemson, too. So I, I think right now they need to come to an agreement about what matters. And that head-to-head win should matter a lot, especially considering when all else is, is equal, you're basically going to compare the two via score differential between games that don't have common opponents and eye test in terms of NFL talent. And that's not what the playoffs is supposed to be about, because if it was about talent, it'd be the same four teams every single year. And so I, I don't understand. Look, I think Tennessee should be above Alabama. I think both should and will be behind Ohio State. Uh, but if that's not if there's chaos that ensues this weekend, I think Tennessee should absolutely have more of a shot to get in than Alabama does. So, Barrett, I know you're, you're very plugged into the entire state of Georgia. And I want to ask about Georgia Tech before we get to some of the, the vacancies that have been filled with, with college coaching. State of the program, 
what is Georgia Tech right now? What were they at their height in the ACC? It's a program that has won a national title in the last 35 mm-hmm. years, which many will forget, but they, they have. Where do they need to go next in order to really be a player in the ACC? And I'm not saying compete with Georgia on the field necessarily, but compete with Georgia for some prospects in Atlanta that you might win a couple recruiting battles in a city that's very rich with talent. Yeah, I mean, I think right now Georgia Tech's kind of in an identity crisis. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Does it want to be Stanford and be an academic institution first? Does it want to sell itself out and go be full athletics? Or does it want to try that delicate balance that it's sort of tried to to create over the last uh, 10, 15 years or so? Uh, to me personally, I think when, when you're looking at how to market that program, it's in a perfect spot. Obviously, downtown Atlanta, got a big Adidas deal, got NIL opportunities all over the place. So yeah, I mean, I think if it wants to be competitive, it needs to go get Dion. It needs to go get Kevin Sumlin, who I've heard tied to that job. It needs to go get somebody who can market, can take advantage of the opportunities that exist in Atlanta. And look, I mean, you don't have to lower your academic standards. You just got to target the right people because athletes aren't dumb. They understand, hey, you know what? A Vandy degree is worth a lot more than an Alabama degree. A Georgia Tech degree is worth a lot more than a Clemson degree. That You can monetize that really easily. And, and a lot of recruits believe that and understand that. So I think for a transfer portal perspective, from an NIL perspective, and from just a salesmanship perspective, they've got to find a good coach who can do all that. Because Jeff Collins, he sold the program before he built the program. You have to build the program first before you can sell it. And a guy like Dion can go in and do that. Uh, a guy like Willie Fritz, who probably will end up being the guy who's hired, I don't know if he can be that guy, especially... For, for a place like Georgia Tech that is fighting in the middle of you know the, the center of the college football mecca for players. I think it's very easy to sell excitement around Matt Rule at Nebraska to Nebraska fans, mm-hmm. given his track record with reclamation projects, and now he finds himself in another one. My question, Barrett, is what is Matt Rule selling at Nebraska moving forward to turn that program around quickly? I think first and foremost, he's selling exactly what you said. Reclamation project. Come be a part of something special, right? Like this is Nebraska. This is a historic program. These players might not recognize it as an historic program. Old guys like us do because we were we remember Nebraska as a power. Um, you know, I think you can sell recruits and transfers like, hey, look, fan base, passionate. NIL opportunities are in, in, the, in, in the area, absolutely there. Big Ten West Championship isn't that hard to accomplish. Um, So I think that's the way you sell it. I think first and foremost, you have to go the transfer portal route because, I mean, they just don't have the players right now. But the reclamation part, I think, will sell, uh, especially for players who maybe are freshmen at other spots that want to go be a part of something and know they can play at an elite level in an elite conference in an elite division right away. So it's going to take a long time. It, it might not ever happen for N- Nebraska to get back to you know a national championship level. But winning the Big Ten West should be something that happens you know one out of every three years. And I think selling Matt Rule's uh, ability to develop players, his NFL pedigree, although it hasn't been successful in the win loss column, but the connections he's got there and the passionate fan base is something that that he can sell, especially to transfers. Um, and, and I think that's how you start the foundation. And once you sort of lay that groundwork, uh, you know, I think it can build itself from there. It's a lot like a lot like uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, right? Minnesota, especially with PJ Flex, salesman, 
all kinds of, 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 of spice and he, he sold the program in a huge way. And now they're following through and he did so by developing talent. And I think Matt Rule can do that too. Yeah, so now let's look at Wisconsin because I think if you're doing any power ranking of jobs in the Big Ten West, it's Nebraska 1, Wisconsin 2, or Wisconsin 1, Nebraska 2 in terms of mm-hmm. looking at the job and saying these are the teams that should compete for that division championship. Wisconsin goes out and hires Luke Fickle. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Nebraska was in the mix for Luke Fickle also. I think there are some timing issues of Matt Rule reportedly backing away and then coming back to the table that may indicate that both programs may have been talking to both guys or at least both talking to Luke Fickle. But I, I mm-hmm. feel like that's just a an absolute home run for Wisconsin if they're going to be the chief competition moving forward because those that's what both those programs want. What do you think about Luke Fickle finally taking that other job, leaving Cincinnati, and that it's Wisconsin being that job. It's perfect. I mean, it's, it's an absolute perfect spot. You know, I think with, with Luke Fickle, what he did, he kind of did it the Nebraska way at Cincinnati in terms of beefing up the offensive and defensive lines. You saw how many NFL players uh, went, to, went to the NFL off last year's team, more than every other school in the country except LSU and Georgia. That says an awful lot about the way he recruits and the way he develops. And then he added a new school twist. He has the the offense that is attractive to skill players, the, the offense that is attractive to quarterbacks. When was the last time Wisconsin had one of those? It was Russell Wilson. And really, that was that was a whole different era in college football and in football in general. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a perfect hire. He's going to play sound defense. That's the MO of that program, has been always. But he's going to be able to sell that offense as one that can lead you to the college football playoff but also is sustainable through massive, massive roster turnover. So it's a, it's a perfect job for him. He's the perfect guy for that job. I, I think that in terms of bringing Wisconsin back, it doesn't have to go that far, right? It's Wisconsin. It's not like they have to do an awful lot to be in Big Ten West contention. They usually are anyway. Uh, but I think he'll turn that program into one where it's consistently winning a division and, and years that it doesn't, is a complete shock. I'm not saying it's on Georgia's level, but think about what Georgia has become. If they don't win it, like they like they didn't in the COVID year in the SEC East, it's like what? What happened? That's not what. That's not the way this is supposed to go. Yeah, I feel like Barrett Salee, by the way, our guest, CBS Sports here on Outkick 360. I feel like we could play the Kevin Bacon seven degrees of separation with the segment and tie <laughs> everything into something else. Scott Frost is a name that has been discussed to possibly reemerge on Kenny Dillingham's staff at Arizona State. Yeah. Because they have a past relationship. I think Scott Frost's wife may be from the area also. Um, so there's the tie-in with Nebraska and Arizona State. And Barrett, you called us old earlier, talking about remembering Nebraska <laughs> being good. How about this for a stat? Kenny Dillingham is the first Power 5 oh. head coach to be born after 1990. <laughs> That's now a head coach kn- at 32 years old. So now I feel old. I, I knew you were going to go there. Uh, I feel really old too. But I mean, here's the thing with Kenny Dillingham. Like he missed old school Nintendo. He missed Atari. He missed some great movies. He missed Rad. I mean, Rad's the greatest movie of all time. So the dude missed a lot of stuff. I mean, great. He's a 30-year-old coach. But man, he missed out on the 80s. But I think for Scott Frost, the thing with Scott is that the NCAA issues at Arizona State, I think can really hurt Dillingham's sort of evolution, the way he he builds that program. And Scott Frost kind of did the same thing at Nebraska, not to the, the level of Arizona State, but I think that's the one thing. Look, if they can get through that, it's going to happen. 
I don't think there's any doubt it's going to happen. But the the NCAA stuff, especially considering how much I think the the public and the and the the people inside that program figure the hammers how much the hammer is going to come down on them. I think that might make it hard to 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 level Scott Frost in that role. But yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt if it if if that's not an issue, I think he's going to be the offensive coordinator at uh, at Arizona State. We talk a lot about fit when it comes to head coaching jobs. I can't think of a stranger fit than Colorado and Deion Sanders. When I saw that Colorado's offered the job or talking to Deion Sanders about the opening, I think someone is going to be smart to offer Deion Sanders their head coaching job. That just feels like a very weird fit when you've got Georgia Tech sitting over there that could offer Deion Sanders. What did you think when you saw that report? What do you think should happen at Colorado at this point? Well, I, I think they're being used a little bit. You know, we'll see if I'm right. But Dion coming out and saying he was offered the job, I mean, first of all, that is great for us. Like, I wish four coaches did that. It's not like we don't know Dion's in the market, right? Uh, Hugh Freeze actually did that too at Liberty. He, like, he, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll talk to them. Like, whatever. Like, that's cool. I wish they did that. But to me, I think Dion might be trying to light the fire under somebody else. And it might not even be a power five job because, you know, Colorado is going to be a tough place to win. I, I know Dion is is very confident in himself, and I do think he's a great coach, and I do think he'll be successful. I don't think he's winning at an elite level at Colorado. Uh, so, you know, do you want to maybe go the group of five route, maybe rehabilitate South Florida, prove that you can do it at the group of five level, and then jump up in a year or two? That might be more appropriate for what, what he wants to do long term, because there's no doubt he wants to be in the power five. He talked about Florida State. Arkansas was in on it before they they hired Sam Pittman. So, you know, he definitely wants those big jobs, but I think he also wants to prove that he can succeed at a big job. And, and I just, I don't know what would make Colorado attractive enough for him to make that jump. So Texas A&M parts ways with their offensive coordinator today, even though it's really Jimbo Fisher, who's the offensive coordinator, play <laughs> caller at A&M. They get the big win to close out the season and that's a nice way to end the season, winning over a top 10 LSU team. But does it really tell us anything, Barrett, when you see the transfer portal names popping in now at Texas A&M? I guess the question is, ultimately, is that going to signify anything good in the future for A&M? Or was that just a one-off that we saw Saturday night in that win over LSU? I think it was a one-off. And I mean, Daryl Dickey's the fall guy. I mean, it is Jimbo Fisher's offense. We all saw it. We all know it. Jimbo admits it. And Jimbo's stubborn. So is are things going to change? No, they're not. Uh, Jimbo's one of, if not the most stubborn coaches in the country. And his way is going to work. And if it doesn't, by God, he's going to make it work. And when it doesn't, then he's going to still keep trying. So an offensive coordinator is going to come in. They certainly are forcing him to make this move with Daryl Dickey. And they're going to probably push somebody on him that they want to call plays. But Jimbo's not going to have any of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's Saturday was nice. They deserve the fans deserve something. They went in with high hopes to the entire season. I think false high hopes. I said they'd be fourth in the West. Um, even I was wrong about that. But I think they needed something to get excited about. And to have that kind of performance, to have Moose Muhammad go out there and do what he did for Connor Wegman to look solid for you know, H. Shane to have his going away party in the way that he did. They needed that. That shows kind of what upside they have in terms of individuals. But I, I just don't think that's sustainable. I think it's just a case of Jimbo called a good game. And that's it. The same thing that happened against Alabama last year. Jimbo called a good game. 
It happens. Coaches can do that. Even Jimbo Fisher, who's stubborn, sometimes they they you know figure things out for a good sixty minutes. But I think that's all it was. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports. Barrett, will you be at the SEC championship this weekend? I, I I will be there. My favorite event of the year. It's uh it's certainly a different vibe around it as opposed to a year ago when it was Bama and Georgia Ooh. getting ready for this game <laughs> with LSU rolling in after that loss to AM. But that's always a fun weekend, a fun event in Atlanta. And we'll be following Barrett with the latest. Barrett, thanks so much, man. Appreciate the time today. Thanks, y'all. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports College <laughs> football analyst at Barrett Salee on Twitter is where you can follow him. Um, a lot of news out there with college football. Yes. We'll talk to David Hookstead in about an hour and 20 minutes also and talk a little bit of, of Big Ten with him. But when we come back, it was the best damn draw that anyone ever had over the weekend. We'll discuss. That's next. This is Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Outkick 360 across yes. the Outkick Network. We are indeed back. We are downtown Nashville at the 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Breaking news, courtesy of Ross Dellinger. Auburn finalizing a deal to name Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, their new head coach. Liberty, by the way, this is, should surprise no one. It felt like Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze all along. Yeah. Liberty took a nosedive at the end of the season. Losing their final three games and losing, I mean, not just losing, getting ransacked by a terrible Freeze. New Mexico State team. He said he was asked about it by his team in the locker room prior to the game, the kickoff. And he had to admit, like, hey, nothing's been offered. I haven't accepted anything. But to have to do that right before kickoff, you kind of know what's about to happen, don't you? Yeah, and I... <sighs> Don't you just still go out and play with some pride and beat New Mexico State? I it's would, just weird yeah, to me that I agree. Like you're, I get that you're a, an emotional, you know, eighteen to twenty-two year old guy or whatever. But I'm also thinking, guys, we can't go out here and lose. The coach is still putting a game plan for us. Right. I mean, they're going to call plays that have worked all year. We beat Arkansas and we beat BYU. Let's go out and smack New Mexico State and in this thing uh, in a warm weather bowl game somewhere. And go win the game. It's it's weird to me that that would just completely derail any hopes of winning a game. I mean, I understand the distraction and Lane Kiffin fighting mm -hmm. that also. And then, oh, guess what? Ole Miss lost after all the week uh, the week long distraction of will Lane Kiffin leave or will he stay? Um, anyway, Hugh Freeze will be the next head coach at Auburn. That, according to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, quickly. Congrats to U.S. soccer on a 0-0 draw against England because that was all the rage on Friday yeah. uh, with that accomplishment. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it really was a good performance because that's what they needed. And now it is a win and end of the round of 16 against Iran tomorrow, 1 o'clock. That game also, Hutton, the most-watched English-language American men's soccer match in history. 
So a big win for Fox on Black Friday. Over $20 million when you factor in streaming, watching U.S.-England on Friday. I feel like it's the, it's the one match that was appointment viewing, right? Yeah. Of the three that we know of. Well, now, it had now everyone. tomorrow is too, but. You can tell when it's kind of a sports cultural moment yeah. when everyone's tweeting about it. If you went on any form of social media, I'm on Twitter most of the time. Everyone on Friday during that match, they're, they're tweeting about that match. You also know it's a big moment. And I know Clay Travis tweeted out this video. But when you had that official English watch party in London and they're just throwing beers from the rafters, the bar, when, the, when it goes final and it's scoreless, people just pissed in London. When you can turn yeah. England against their own soccer team, you've accomplished something. And that's what the Americans did. A big win. Now, I also feel like there's a lot of pressure on Team USA to win this match. They should beat Iran. They need to beat Iran. I don't want to speak this into existence, but this has one-to-one draw written all over it. Don't you say it. I, I, I don't know how you don't bet the draw. In this, in this match coming up. And I know very little about soccer. I know that I'll be betting on a draw between America and Iran in this game. Hope that I'm wrong. Hope that they win. Hope they go on to the round of 16. Hope they beat someone once they get there. But that is my fear going into this match. We will, uh, we'll have full coverage tomorrow. Will we make a show bet on this match tomorrow? I don't, I don't bet well, against the, you the, I guess the, the match will have started by the time the show starts also. It'll be halftime. But we'll, uh, we'll do something, that's for sure. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more college football. We're also going to recap a big NFL weekend. A lot happened. We'll discuss all of it when we come back. This is OutKick 360.